Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. It's WatchKit Week! Finally! WatchKit Week! Yay! Finally! <laughs> What's going on? I mean, it's it's funny, because for a long time, I think I've been, I felt slightly alone in my um, affinity for the, for the Apple Watch and developing for, for WatchOS. Uh, WatchOS is... You were. Yeah. I think I mean, it was, there's a handful of us who do it, but like we all know each other. There's not that many, it doesn't seem like it's that many people. And for a long time, WatchOS seemed to, I mean, like all the big apps that added WatchOS apps or WatchKit apps back in the for early days when it first came out have been slowly pulling them off the store. And like, it's, it's not been great. I would say this summer we, we got a pretty substantial um, turnaround on that. I think that there was a clear, like the, my overall theme um, for like, if I had to give a theme for WatchOS this year is that Apple wanted to, allow developers to do all of the functions that the system apps can do. Um, we can't quite do the same UIs that they can yet, which is just one, whatever. I'll, I bet I, I won't look a gift horse in the mouth and just like, I, but we are also from the functional level though, we got so many more capabilities. We can do all of these different things that we've been clamoring for or having to do weird, crazy hacks to work around for. Um, and just in general, it seemed like it was like the goal for this year was to raise the bar in terms of capability for the Apple watch. Um, which is something that I really appreciate. Uh, I think it's something that we've, I've been hoping would happen. And I think is fun now as someone who's been doing this for a long time to be able to kind of get rid of, you know, delete out of my app, all of these weird hacks and all this hard work that I had to do initially. And I can just use system APIs in so many more places now. And that should make the app so much more uh, stable and capable um, and performant, which is just like overall, I'm, I was absolutely thrilled with the announcements we got this year. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, my my thrill my thrill is more specific. It's more specific to some of the new APIs they added that are uh, podcast playback related, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, but even just looking at general WatchKit, I mean, I really have had a, a rocky relationship with WatchKit in the past. Um, you have been a lot more both optimistic and successful with it than I have. Um, it you know i I have tried to make good WatchKit experiences since the very first apple watch since day one and i have i have mostly or entirely failed to do that so far um no i I am i am not proud of anything i have shipped on the apple watch to date and most of that was because of limitations in WatchKit or in the the uh, lower level apis on the watch that basically made it pretty much impossible for me to deliver a good experience for what my users actually wanted and needed from their Apple watches to control overcast or, or to, to be, you know, a, a standalone app. Um, you know, the, the very first version of watch kit, which was running all the code on the phone and just doing this like remote interface thing was incredibly slow and unreliable on the series zero hardware. Um, the series zero watch in general was just really slow and really hard to get anything done or working on. Um, the watch kit API itself has been incredibly limited and you can't do nearly as much as you can with UI kit. Um, it's, it's almost shocking how little you can do. Like if you look at the documentation for things like WK interface controller, there's like 10 methods. Like there's, (laughs) there's, there's so little you can actually do on a lot of this stuff that almost everything you do in watchOS is UI wise is a tremendous hack. Uh, just just to get a UI that looks presentable, that is usable, that is useful, uh, those are those are all very hard to do in WatchKit, and that's all been complicated by the fact that 
the the like you know run debug build or whatever that that's called the cycle of like you know running on device or running on simulator to make some changes test some stuff deploy it see how it runs see how it works is so slow and so unreliable especially in the earlier watches uh in the earlier version of the sdk so now i feel like it's finally it has finally gotten to the point where deploying and building on the hardware on the actual watch even with the series three is still pretty cumbersome it's still not fast it's still not fun but the simulator has finally gotten fast enough almost it's almost fast enough like when you change something and hit build and run like you get it's almost fast enough to see it on there it's almost reliable enough and overall watch kit is like with the with the help of like a few small new methods here and there or new properties here and there on some watch kit uh widgets and objects and stuff uh between iOS between watch watch os 4 and 5 it's finally to the point where you can just barely make a decent watch app and that sounds like you know damning with faint praise like that that sounds like i'm really insulting this and to some degree i am because watch os and watch kit still are nowhere near where they need to be but I, you know, I give them a pass for a while because it was an early platform. It was very constrained hardware, et cetera. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, despite all these caveats and, and insults, I'm actually right now very happy with what has happened with this beta series with, uh, with WatchKit because finally I can do what people actually have wanted me to do all this time. And that to me comes down to two widgets or two, two changes rather background audio that works and a volume widget that's it it's those two things like there's a bunch of other stuff too the mp now playing info center mp remote command center like those things are great and help a lot but the two things that were either making people not use my app at all or making them actually delete my app so the now playing widget would show more often were the lack of a volume control and the lack of standalone playback so i now have those two things and it's going to take me a large part of this summer to actually make those into a great app, but I'm doing it now and I'm ridiculously happy to actually be finally doing this. And I know based on just like test walks I've taken and test UIs I've made, like I know this is going to be great when it's done. Yeah. And I think that's so much of it. It's just like these things are now, it's, it is still, it's probably fair to say, it is still, watchOS is still a hard platform to develop for. Yes. Um, like it is by, which in some ways I like, um, there's a part of me that enjoys that, that it is like, it's a difficult challenge. I think it is helpful in terms of, it has a much, it's much less competitive as a result because you really have to want to make it work in order for it to be, be something that is worth doing. But, ultimately, I'm encouraged by these changes and I love to see, honestly, just that Apple is clearly very committed to the platform as a developer platform. I think if they if we'd gone a year without much of this these kind of changes, it would have kind of read to me more of the kind of like TVOS where they started it off as like, you know, apps are the future of TV and then they kind of it turned out that that wasn't true and their actions since have kind of demonstrated that in a lot of ways that like they're not doing clearly they're, they're not making huge investments it doesn't seem in, in trying to make tvos a major app platform but they are 
continuing to put the effort and resources in to trying to make watchOS a big app platform. Um, and so I think that commitment is encouraging that if you're going to go through how difficult and how challenging watchOS development can be, um, both at like the technical level as well as just the experiential level, then like it makes me encouraged um, as a developer on that platform. And they gave me my big wish. Um, so if you remember t- uh, one of the earlier episodes um, this year, I one of my big wishes for this the year's WWDC was that they were going to drop support for the first generation Apple Watch. And that's exactly what they did. Um, yes. So, so, so watchOS 5 um, dropped support for um, that first generation Apple Watch, which I think will make so many things so much better. And I mean, the reality is, so like looking at my data, uh, my analytics for watch type, it's like, it seems like a no brainer that they've made this choice. So like that first generation watch right now is right around 20% of, of watches um, and falling, you know, dramatically and significantly. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that uh, if this fall after, um, you know, after the new, a new watch is announced and people buy it obviously there there's the added variable now of their old watches are being you know made obsolete but nevertheless i think the you know the user base the active user base of that first generation watch is going to be dramatic fairly low and i mean honestly even more importantly to me is seeing how quickly people have been adopting the series three watch um is super encouraging in terms of i think right now it is about 40 percent of my user base is using a series three watch um, wow. which is slightly more than the series one and two combined. Um, so it is like the series three is the, the has the, it, you know, the, if you, if there's the S one chip, the S two chip and the S three chip, which are the three generations of processor, um, the series three chip is now the most popular processor, um, which is huge that it is so much more capable, has such better battery life, has all so many of these, these benefits and improvements to it that it makes it so encouraging as a, developer to not feel like we're tied to the past that we can really embrace the future and be a bit more aggressive because performance wise the watches are just that much more capable and that i think also has allowed apple to do things with the os to give us things like background audio like i i don't think it's a coincidence that they dropped support for the earliest most rudimentary version of the hardware at the same time they made watch os more capable i mean part of that is you know, they just had more. They just had one more year to make the software do things that that weren't as high of a priority in you know versions one through four, because uh, it was a new platform. So part of that's software maturity, but also part of that is like that Series One watch had significant constraints on the hardware. I mean, they all still do, but that one was like excessive constraints on the hardware. It was very very slow. It had very little memory. It had very little battery to to keep the processor at a high power state for very long or to keep the display on for very long or to keep apps open for very long so like it was incredibly limited hardware with incredibly conservative software uh now the march of technology has made these awesome new watches that are still very limited compared to like a phone but let let us do like a slightly more like humane (laughs) things with a watch kit (laughs) and uh and that's I have a feeling in large part to do with their ability to finally drop that first generation hardware from support. Yeah. And so it's great. So, I mean, we should probably dive into some of the changes that we can do now. And um, I guess the big one for, for you and and honestly also for me is the addition of background audio. Um, and we can do this now in an, like it's actual background audio, like real uh, background audio. It wasn't this weird thing where like I could do background audio and work plus plus because I was a workout app, um, which was actually <laughs> music, which did make me laugh. That was that, that, 
um, the way that I was using it was specifically called out in uh, what's new in watch OS yep. this, this year at WDC as like, it's like this was sort of this like slightly, slightly like, uh, uh-uh, uh bad news, like shaky finger. Like, don't do that. You don't, you, you don't need to be a workout app in order to do audio now. So, yeah, it was basically like now, if you want to play audio, you can just be an audio app and not have to make yourself a workout app. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, I didn't anger somebody at uh, at Apple by, by adding <laughs> podcast workouts plus plus. But nevertheless, no. If anything, I, I think I think you gave us this because like you having that in the workout app probably like prioritized some you know campaign that was going on internally for people to be like, look, this is dumb. Why do we allow this for workout? but not for audio apps yeah. and and the whole reason it worked is because uh, you know workout apps are are allowed to actually stay running in the background continuously their process stays active so that they can keep running instructions the way audio has been done on ios has always been that way too with when as soon as background audio was introduced and in, i think it was ios 3 whenever that was three or four um, four the four okay. four or five Gosh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, well, whenever it was, like, you know, your your app just stays running in the background. You know, your process stays awake. You can keep executing whatever code you want. Uh, the way WatchOS did it before this uh, was either you could be a workout app and use the AV Foundation stuff, uh, which is what you did, or you can use this awful WK audio file player or audio queue player API that I have ranted about many times because not only was it incredibly obtuse and limited uh, and seemed to be designed by somebody who never actually tried to do it, anything with it. But it was also just incredibly buggy, Incre- like embarrassingly buggy to the point where you basically couldn't ship something with that. Like it, it was almost unshippable for almost any kind of use. Uh, so I'm so incredibly happy that the way they gave this to us was not trying to make WK Audio File Player better because honestly, that, that was clearly not possible for them to do because they would have done it by now. Um, but instead they gave us the real AV audio player, the real AV foundation stuff, AV audio session, things like that. And not only did they give us, you know, the ability to, for our app to keep running in the background and execute code while audio is playing, which allows lots of critical and helpful functionality, something like a podcast player where you want to do things like track your progress through an episode. Um, but also they fixed a lot of rough edges. Like had they tried to build, say a, a podcast app, uh, as like a demo of the old API, they, they would have run into the same like seven or eight massive shortcomings and bugs that I ran into when I tried it and made that big blog post. Um, things like they required there to be a Bluetooth audio device, but there would be no indication to the user if there wasn't one. Your playback would just fail, but it wouldn't even it wouldn't tell the app or the user even that it had failed, let alone why it had failed. It would, according to the app, it was playing. It just wouldn't play. <laughs> oh, sure. It was it was a mess, and there was all there was stuff like that. There was things like uh, there was no volume control on, on for things that were that were connected to the watch. So, like your AirPods connected to your watch have a volume. They have a concept of volume, but the app had no control over that and no way to embed a volume widget. Uh, and you know, like 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 the Crown one and the now playing view, there was no way to do that in a third party app, and so that's kind of a critical functionality bit that you had to like leave the app or try to use Siri on your AirPods to adjust your volume. That's horrible. There's also, also things like there was no integration with the, with any kind of uh, remote command uh, for 
play pause or seek back or seek forward. So if your headphones have buttons or if you're using the AirPods, you can like do the double tap thing or you can do the Siri uh, commands. There was no way for a third party watch app to get those, to to respond to those and to play or pause the content or to skip forward or to skip back or anything like that. There was just no capability for that at all. They have now added that as well. They've added this wonderful overlay when you start an AV audio session to prompt the user which audio route they want to send it to, which Bluetooth headphones. If they don't have any, it'll tell them that. And it'll actually tell you, the app, it'll tell you that as well. <laughs> so you can, like, you know, not update the UI to be in a playing state if it can't actually play. It, it's just, uh, it, they, they finally actually gave us what we need to make a good podcast app on watchOS. And... I imagine that the number of apps that will be using these APIs is not that big. So I'm really pleasantly surprised that they felt it justified to spend the time on this uh, because this literally turns watch podcasts from something that at first nobody and now I guess only Apple could have done uh, to something that everybody can do. And that's fantastic. I, I could not be happier and and the the happiness of that and how well this stuff seems to work so far in my early testing uh pushes me through to motivate me to to actually sit through those long build and run times and those times where the simulator just decides you know what i'm not connected anymore to the phone uh or the times when the watch decides you know what i'm no longer a run target in xcode just i'm not paired anymore uh you know it it lets it it pushes me through all those little annoying times and and delays and and you know tooling bugs because finally i can build for the most part the experience i want there's there's stuff that i would like to do differently with like if i actually had ui kit uh but you know, for the most part, I can build the experience functionality I want, and that makes me very, very happy. Yeah, and I think, too, what I really am encouraged by is that I like that they are just using the same underpinnings that are we have on iOS. Because um, functionally, I mean, it's always such a funny thing that, as best I understand, watchOS is basically just iOS. It was just a, a stripped-down version of it. Um, that runs in a different kind of with, with some some different rules around it. But like the basic underpinnings are the same. It isn't like this wildly new um, you know operating system. And so they are able, you know they just we get AV Foundation and we get all of the same basic you know frameworks and things that we can share between both iOS and the watch, um, which makes so many things better. As well as also just it gives me much more hope that they'll be reliable that you know AV, AV, like av audio player has been around since like iphone os 2 iphone os 2 or 3 like it has been around for a very long time it is very reliable like most of the bugs and weird issues and strange edge cases have i'm sure been worked out with that versus you know the if it was a w if, the, if they're rather than you know maybe if they got rid of wk audio player which was really strange and had some of the most com- comedic bugs I've ever dealt with. Um, yeah, I'm glad you were able to laugh at them. <laughs> oh, no, no, it, I, I wanted to throw my computer out the window every time I read one. <laughs> well, I think I think my favorite bug with with WK Audio File Player was there was one where if you're if you somehow lost if you lost connection to the like the, the player so if the app was killed say because yeah, because, because it played in its own process that was the whole thing like you're like it, you you gave it like a, a local resource to play and then your app could be terminated and it would keep playing so your app yes. was never actually running in the background it was just being killed and then when you'd wake up you could like try to find that session and it worked sometimes 
Yes, but most of the time you couldn't reconnect to it. So if you started playing again, you would get duplicate playback. Um, of the, you would get, and then if you did it again, you got triple playback or quadruple <laughs> playback. And they would all start and stop um, every time you hit play pause in the now playing app. And the only way, as far as I could tell, to get rid of that was to restart your watch. Um, so I was that one was I thought was just comedic. And this this was not in a beta. No, this no. is the like the shipping versions of watchOS. This is how bad that uh, man. I'm gonna be so I, I'm I'm gonna like celebrate the day that WK Audio File Player gets deprecated. Uh, that's yeah. like I would consider that my own personal victory. Like, <laughs> rest I don't know peace. why anyone would use it now, but <laughs> no, I, I don't. I mean, it, to be fair, you couldn't use it before because it was so bucky and horrible. But uh, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> anybody who who somehow managed to use it, uh, I imagine they're going to be looking at losing that shortly. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but the fact that the Apple is instead using it's just saying old and battle tested and tried and true, and like I can use the same code that I use in iOS, like it's just going to make that so much better. And I love, I just it seems thought thoughtfully put together. It seems sort of put. It seems like it's clearly an emphasis like even from a marketing perspective you know apple is on the i always think it's interesting to compare the apple.com versus the developer.apple.com descriptions of ios or watch os <laughs> and this year one of the big customer facing features is audio on the watch that they are talking about it to customers they're you know they they have their own podcast player that they've added now and i think in general they are going to be emphasizing that as a use case for the watch um and so all of that together makes me think that you know this this is going this is good now and should be getting better and better. We are brought to you this week by Instabug. More than twenty thousand mobile apps, including Lyft, eBay, and T-Mobile, are using Instabug to enhance the quality of their apps. Instabug is a lightweight SDK that provides mobile apps with comprehensive bug and crash reporting. With just one line of code to integrate, Instabug helps you receive detailed bug reports with minimal effort. So here's a cool, pretty cool feature. For instance, users can submit feedback by simply shaking their phones if you don't use the shake gesture for anything else. Um, so each bug report from Instabug has a screenshot that can be drawn on and annotated. The user can even attach a voice note or a screen recording too. And this is all done right from your app with zero interruption to their experience. The Instabug dashboard will then show you a comprehensive report that includes all their device details, reproduction steps, network logs, and all the other logs you need to help you debug faster. And it's all automatic. You can also reply to your users from your Instabug dashboard so you can let them know that their issue has been fixed or maybe ask for more feedback if you need it. And Instabug can also now forward reports to Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, Zendesk, or whatever else you might use. So check it out today. The Instabug SDK takes just one minute to integrate into your app. Visit instabug.com slash radar to create your free account now with no credit card required. If you're a developer, you can sign up for a free forever plan, and everyone else can use promo code RADAR2018 to get 20% off all plans for three months. That's instabug.com slash radar and offer code RADAR2018. Our thanks to Instabug for their support of this show. So it isn't just audio people who are happy, though. Workout people like myself are also super happy with watchOS 5 because Apple is now exposed. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if they are exposing what they've been using previously or if they've now added a new API that they are also using. But the workout system of like recording workouts and running workouts on the watch is completely overhauled from like top to bottom and is exactly the same API that is used by the system workout app now which anytime i hear like a you know hear from apple that the you know the first party app is using is using under the hood the same apis that i'm using it makes me way more confident about them both in terms of their maintenance <clears throat> watch kit 
they're yeah in general <laughs> yeah no that, that is that is usually a good thing <laughs> i'm not going to complain about what what we don't have i'm going <laughs> to just accept what we do have and delight in it that um the workout stuff should be so much more reliable now so much more performant like before there was just like there's probably you know at least several like a couple thousand lines of code without exaggeration of workouts plus plus that i can just throw away now that's that awesome all of the stuff that i used to have to do around like it was this crazy game you were playing where you have this huge fire hose of data of data coming in from from health kit you have this huge like you, you're taking all this all these sample data you have to process it manage it and then you just like turn around and hand it back to health kit so it's like you have like a double fire hose situation it's 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 a complete it was it was a nightmare to work with but now it's like health kit just does it all for you in the reasonable way you just say like hey i'm starting a workout and it manages the data types for you it keeps track of like how far have i gone in this workout you know things that like you would normally want to know um it should make so much of that much more reliable and then two it does stuff that i just couldn't do previously like they have in the concept of workout recovery now which is huge for some like workouts where, you know, people take very seriously and I take very seriously the fact that you don't want to lose, um, you know, lose data when you're doing a workout. And so now if you, you know, you, you start a workout session and for some reason your app is killed. I mean, often like Apple would always talk about, oh, if your app crashes, in my experience, the app, my app is killed by the system for reasons unrelated to my application more often than anything else um, you, you shut down your app because of a problem yeah <laughs> that's not exactly yeah but it's like <laughs> i love when i get this sort of the system report you know i get it's like a crash log and it says you know your app was killed because the cpu was um overused for longer than seven seconds or whatever it was and then i look at my and it, and it includes my app's usage it's like your app used four percent of the cpu during this period it's like, i don't think it was me <laughs> I don't. I don't think I was the problem here. I think I. I, I think something else went wrong. Um, but nevertheless, if your app crashes or is killed, um, it will relaunch it and give you the opportunity to reconnect to the workout session. And the user should probably never even know that something happened, um, because unless they're actively looking at the watch for that brief moment when the app is killed and then relaunched, um, you know, it'll just always be there when they raise their wrist and without losing any state. All the data from between when you crash and when you reconnect is still being collected and if your app can't be relaunched for some reason or it relaunches and crashes again um they just save the workout up until that point and it happens all transparently in the background like it's one of these things is like yes this is clearly now an api that is designed to give people reliable like quality third-party workout experiences that before we could do our best to approximate it but if I'm honest, there were even situations where if I was doing a workout that I, for some reason, really wanted to make sure was captured, I would go back and use the Apple's one, even as someone who makes a first-party <laughs> app, just because I, there was even as the amount of work I put into making my app reliable, I couldn't guarantee that it was reliable because there's so many things outside of my control. And it's fantastic that now that that goes away and I can kind of, I can be just as reliable as the first-party app um, and you know avoid weird situations that just previously were impossible to deal with well between workout restoration and background audio i believe we can really truly say finally finally <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think that wraps up our sort of our talk about watch os and kind of in general kind of what our summer plans are and i think it's also the, the the opportune time for us to discuss something briefly that we are going to be going on a break 
uh, for the show. So Under the Radar is not going to be putting out episodes, uh, and we don't expect to do anything in July and August of this year. Um, we're both for a variety of reasons um, in terms of travel and vacation and um, you know, personal, just in general, I think it's a good time for us to take a break. Um, we're going to take a break from the app. I think at this point we expect to come back in September. We expect to, you know, sort of continue at that point, but we're going to take a break. And, um, in general, but beyond even just the logistical and the practical reasons for that, it is something that I also wanted to mention that I have found in general that inertia is a dangerous thing and can be something that is it's easy to just it's it's hard to start something and then sometimes it's easy to just keep going and at a certain point you may not be being thoughtful about what it is that you're doing that we may i'm sure at this point we i probably put less thought into the episode into each episode of under the radar now than i did at the beginning in some ways just because of inertia and i think i would like to change that and i think taking a break is a tremendous tool in general like applying to work or uh, any kind of project or creative thing that you're working on to take a break take a step back and i think when you come back to something after a bit a time away you have a better perspective about what makes it good what are changes you could make and what are things that you can do um, to make it better and so i think that's those all go together to mean i think it's a good idea for us and so that is what our current plan is um, for the summer so we will look forward to seeing you after the break but you know in the meantime you're gonna have to find uh, something else to fill 30 minutes with a, a week yeah, it's and you know it's you know we we still like each other. The show's still fine. Yes, but, yeah, uh, this, but yeah, a combination of like a lot of traveling and it being a pretty slow summer for like iOS news and all likelihood. Um, you know, it's it, it it seemed like an opportune time to do this. And uh, so, anyway, so we uh, appreciate you so far, and uh, thanks for listening all this time. And uh, enjoy your summer break, and we'll talk to you in two months. Yep, sounds good. Have a good summer. Bye. Bye.